0: Amen. You guys have a seat. Um Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks. I love that song. Um I had a bottle of water, but I lost it. If you got a Bible, go to Matthew chapter thirteen. That's where we're gonna be spending our time tonight. Um so uh we're doing this thing, this one year Bible thing, right? Okay, so here's here's where I'm at tonight. Uh, disciple now is an insane amount of work. Okay. It's just, it's just rough. It is. Mm-hmm. That's rough too. Um, it, it, just is. It's, it's a lot of work and, and man, uh, sometimes, sometimes you just need to encourage your student minister. Okay. Sometimes that's just, that's just your job. You just have to make me happy. Um, because I need somebody to make me happy. So this is what, this is what I want you to do. Uh, if, if you've, if you've been doing this one year Bible thing, at all, if you've tried, if you're trying, if you're four days behind and you have a plan to get caught up and you just haven't flat given up yet, I want to know that. But I I know that you're teenagers and you get embarrassed of things. Um, So just, I want you to be real honest. So I I just want you to close your head and just shut your eyes for a second. Don't look around. Just don't look around. Just give me a show of hands if you're even trying it. That's awesome. All right, open your eyes. Cool. Hands down, open your eyes. That's awesome, man. Um, I was talking with one of you guys earlier at, at dinner, and you were telling me about, you know, I got a day behind, but I'm, I'm trying, and and, uh, and and you know who you are, but um, I think for that kid that I was talking to, that was probably, that you've probably read more of the Bible in the last couple of weeks than you have the entire rest of your life. Is that some of your story? Yeah. so like, there's, there's a lot of you in the room who in the last, since, since January 8th or whatever, when I challenged you with this, and those two weeks or something past then, you've read more of God's word in those two weeks and you have totaled the rest of your life. And, and I hope it's sinking, and I hope it's challenging you, I hope it's changing you. Um, tonight, we're looking at Matthew 13, like I said a minute ago. And this is one of those messages that uh, I kind of want to like give you fair warning or something before we get started, because I know which messages would have punched me directly in the face when I was in high school. This would have been one of those. So I'm going to come at you all right. And, and you're just going to have to brace yourself. Cool. Good. So you just brace yourself. You get ready because this, this one's one of those one that cuts a little bit. So Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse one, if you've got a phone or something, get it open so you can look at it. We're going to be bouncing all over this thing all night. Matthew chapter 13, verse one. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea and the great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and he sat down and the whole crowd stood out on the beach and he told them many things in parables saying, a sower, it's a guy who put seeds in the ground, a sower went out to sow. I mean, he put seeds in the ground and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and they devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they didn't have much soil and immediately they sprung up since they had no depth of soil but when the sun rose they were scorched and since they had no root they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And then he said this, he who has ears let him hear. This is a passage, if you've grown up in church, you know exactly what Jesus is talking about. But if you're in the first century and Jesus goes and gets in a boat and starts telling about this one time, this guy threw some seed out in his field and some of it landed on a path and a bird ate it. And you're like, I can't even see somebody healed. What are you talking about? I don't care. And, and, and he's like talking about there's some thorns over there and the guy threw some, some seed out in the thorns and that didn't really work out. But there was a little bit of good soil and the seeds came up and it was great. And he says, he who has ears, let him hear. These guys know how to plant. They know what's going on. And, and Jesus gets, gets in a boat, has an, a huge crowd around him and says that. And then in the next couple of verses, he and his disciples have this whole conversation about about parables and why Jesus teaches them parables. And then eventually they they, they come on down through here and they get to verse 18 and they they just ask him to explain this this parable of the sower. And Jesus gives an explanation of it. In chapter 13, verse 18, he says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. And for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a little while. But then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit. And yields in one case a hundredfold, another 60, another 30. Jesus is talking about us. He's describing the way that we interact with God's word and the way that we respond to it and the fruit that it produces. I think that all four of those types of soil are represented here. I think that you're one of them. And I want want to help you figure out which one of these four soils you are. So we're gonna start, we're gonna go back and we're gonna look at the first one the way Jesus says it first and then his explanation. And I'm gonna to try to give you a story to help from some other teenager that I've known who's not in the room, okay? That, that I hope you can kind of grasp their story a little bit maybe identify with, cool? That's gonna be our thing. We're gonna do it four times. So the first one, it's in verse three. So when out so, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and birds came and devoured it. And Jesus says later that uh, that's the one who hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it. And the evil one comes and snatches, uh, snatches it away. There's this guy in my student ministry in Texas, a guy named Dylan. Um, Dylan's an uh, interesting guy. Um, I, was his, I was his life group leader, and, and he spent a year and a half, almost two years, hanging out with me every single Sunday. There were a bunch of other guys that their junior year and their senior year, I was their life group leader, and, and we sat around every single Sunday, and Dylan would come, and, and, and he would be there, but so as we're sitting around talking about things and we're trying to hold each other accountable stuff, we're talking about the importance of reading God's word and sharing our faith and, and figuring out how to do that, Dylan's goofing off. And then we'd get into our, our version of greenhouse out there and, and I, I'd look across the room and I'd see Dylan over in the corner and he was always the kid talking. He was the kid that, that no matter how funny I tried to be or, or how engaging worship was, he never plugged in. He never got anything out of it because he was too busy being like the life of the room or something. And when I would, I would try to get him on his own and try to ask him something serious, there was nothing serious to say. He, it wasn't like he was trying to be closed off. There was just nothing going on with him. Nothing spiritual was happening with Dylan. Dylan was lost. Dylan never, never came to a faith. And he never had a relationship with Jesus. Never got to that point because he never heard, never really heard and like internalized the truth of the gospel. He never got it because he was too busy goofing off. I think that sometimes, um, I think that sometimes the word of God, the, the, the truth of the gospel, it falls on deaf ears. I think sometimes that we get too, um, we get too preoccupied with just, all that's going on in a room like this so we get too preoccupied with with saying the right things the people in our small groups or something will think we're funny and and continue to think we're cool and and just we never actually pay any attention to the reason that we're here like that you, you want to be here every single week because you want to be with the right people but when it comes time to look into god's word together when we start talking about reading through the entirety of the bible in a year you're dude you're done you're out And you come in here and you just sit through this portion so you can get back to the part where you can hang out with people and you never have any connection with Jesus here. I want you to know that you're missing it. No matter how great of friendships that you build here, if you don't connect with this person named Jesus, you're gonna miss out on all that God has for you. I don't care how much you're here. Dude, if you don't plug into what we're doing, I, I, don't, I don't care how often you're here or how great your attendance is or how many things you come to that we do at Mount Zion. If you're not plugging into the reason we're here, it's all for nothing. The next one is, uh, is a little different. It says, other seeds fell on rocky ground where they didn't have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depths of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched and since they had no root, they withered away. These are those little, these little junky plants next to your driveway that kind of like pop up and you kind of like scrape them off and they're gone, right? There's just no root, there's nothing to them. They're just, just little sissy plants, right? And you just kind of brush them away. That's that's what Jesus says over here on the other side. He says, as for what was set on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root. So he endures just a little bit, but then when it gets hard, he falls away. um, There's a lot of students here, not in the room anymore, but there's people that you know that this is them. Some of you might be in the room, I don't know. This is them. This is people who uh, heard that there was a God who loved them, and they got really excited about that. But then when we start talking about things like, hey, you really need to be in a small group. You really need to be in Sunday school. You really need to be in life groups and, and come on, come in Greenhouse. You need to be somewhere where somebody can feed you and teach you what it means to be a Christian and how to, how to feed yourself. And then when they start talking about, hey, you really need to be spending time reading God's word. They're like, I, I don't really want to do that. And then when things get hard, they just kind of float away. How many people do you know in your grade who have floated away since you started at Mount Zion? I remember this one kid. I uh, was at one of our trips with us, and the very first night that we did worship, um, made a profession of faith. Uh, said that he had asked Jesus to be his Savior and his Lord right there, we'd barely gotten off the bus, you know? And I was pumped. Uh, and so we started talking, and uh, got back home, and wanted to get baptized, and I baptized him, and um, got really excited about trying to bring his family to church. Started trying to bring them. And uh, I started talking to him about reading his Bible and starting to be in small groups and Sunday school and stuff. And that uh, just wasn't really that exciting to him. Um, so then when school started back, at the end of the summer, uh, he disappeared. Hadn't really seen him since. It's been about, it's been a few years now. I hear about what he's doing and it has nothing to do with what happened that night in worship. If you're not putting down roots in this thing, if you're not really investing in your relationship with God, it's one thing to claim it and to make a profession of faith. It's another thing entirely to walk in it. If you're not following after Jesus and chasing after him and pouring his word into your heart, if you're not really investing and in trying to put down deep roots, you're like those sissy little plants next to my driveway that I scrape off when they come up and you're gone. Don't let that be you. Put down roots. Figure this thing out. Learn. Grow. Grow. The next one, the next one may be the toughest for you. I think there's a lot of these in here. Verse seven, other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them out. You seen this happen in your yard or something? Or your mom like planted a little flower bush or something and then some like monster kudzu looking thing, like ate it, that Jesus over on the side. He says, 22, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. There's a girl uh, in Texas, again, um, y'all don't go Google my Texas friends or like Facebook when try to figure out who these people are. Uh, that would be bad. Um, a girl named Elizabeth Martin, Pretty girl. Uh, came from a great family. Both her parents were Sunday school teachers at our church. And she had some older siblings, some younger siblings who are just super cool kids. Um, just a really good family, man. They're like the kind of family's always like hosting Disciple Now. They went on all the trips. Anywhere we went, the whole family's there. And Elizabeth's right there with them. And she was smart too, dude. Like she knew all the answers in Sunday school. If, if anybody ever posed something to her, she could tell you. She could like debate stuff with you. I mean, she was like, on the outside it seems super, super strong. That passage talks about the deceitfulness of riches, the deceitfulness of wealth. And for teenagers, I think wealth plays out a little bit differently than adults, because you can't like really buy anything because you can't really get any money. So wealth works differently for you. I think you you collect riches or, or wealth in, in a relational kind of way. I think that you look for wealth in terms of people and the right people and the most valuable people in your eyes, at least. Um, and so you try to have the right friends that have the, the right group of friends that can elevate you to the status that you want to achieve. And that's the way you gain riches. That's the way that works for a lot of teenagers, I think. And, and so she started doing that. She started gathering up this uh, teenage ideal of popularity and got really excited about trying to get boys to like her. And, um, it's probably sophomore year. Things just kind of got weird. Um, Started chasing after a group of friends that hadn't been the friends that she was hanging out with and worked very, very hard to do the things that would make them happy. Worked very, very hard to do the things that would make some boys that would pay her attention happy. And then things just started to slip. Sweet girl, uh, ninth grade year. Tenth grade year, things started getting crazy. Um, Started partying, started drinking a lot. Started having to hide all that from her family. Um, Again, I told you, she's very smart. So she's very, very good at lying. Very, very good at it. So good, in fact, that I don't, I don't know if her parents ever really believed that she was actually doing the things that they heard about. Because she was so good about wiggling her way out of it, right? So she was lying to her family and lying to some of her friends while trying to keep the other friends um, happy as well. And, so the party scene kind of started seeping into her soul a little bit. And it wasn't just that she'd go drink every once in a while, it was that she would go drink a lot. And there's this boyfriend thing, she's trying to keep happy too. And there were things going on over there. And, um, and all of a sudden it, it, it was almost like it started seeping into her soul or something. You know what I'm talking about? You ever met somebody that kind of went down a weird, like, a, like a, a dark path. And then it wasn't just their outward behavior anymore that was dark. It started like welling up inside. I don't know what is happening in the world right now today. Um, do you have any idea what I'm doing wrong? Cool. Good. I got fire alarms. I got mics blowing up. Good. (laughs) It's aliens. Okay. All right, whatever. So anyway, so she starts going on a super dark path. She's partying a lot and she's doing boyfriend stuff. Right, And you know people that do this. And then you've seen this happen. I, I know you have. If, if you're 10th grade and up, you've seen it happen a lot. Where, where she, um, it just started changing her, just the way she was as a person. It wasn't outward behavior. It was inward now. And there was that darkness welling up inside her. By the time that we left Texas, she was a senior in high school. And dude, I'm not, I'm not lying when I tell you this. She was the meanest, most hateful, most manipulative, darkest little girl that I may have ever met. had no relationship with her family that was really true anymore. It was just this shell, basically like an eggshell lie where her family thought she was just super cool and super great. But inward, she had just rotted. And it started with chasing after a group of friends. It started with partying. It started with, with a little bit of alcohol. And that's, that's probably not that bad. It's, it's, I mean, just really, one, this guy really made mad about one drink. Is that really going to change that much? Yeah, because it's never just one. It's always progressive. You, I, we've talked about this. Sin is progressive. Sin starts at one point and it puts you on a slope that leads you further and further down a hill. And yeah, maybe you, every once in a while conviction kind of gets a hold of you, kind of climb back up a few rungs in the ladder. But you know good and well that it's, you're going to start sliding again unless something really, truly changes. If you're rocky soil and, and, and everything around you is choking out what glimmer of spirituality is left in you? That, that glimmer of that relationship with God, that, that pure and beautiful and powerful relationship with God that you used to have and enjoy, and that used to be so central to who you are. If that's been twisted and, and strained out of you by everything else going on in your world, at some point, something's got to give. Either you're going cut to the, cut the thorny thing, whatever, I don't know, kill that crap, or spiritually, you're just going to die inside. You can't do both. I've known hundreds of teenagers. You can't do both. It's like what Jesus said um, about money, which applies in the same situation. Again, you can't get money like the same way adults can. He said, you can't serve both God and money. Either you'll love the one and despise the other, or vice versa. You can't serve both God and money. So you can't serve both God and popularity. You can't serve both God and your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You can't do both. You'll either chase after one or you'll chase after the other. You have to pick. The last soil is the only positive one. It's the only positive one. It says other, other seed fell on good soil and it produced grain. And Jesus explained it over there. He said, as the was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit. Like something happens, something changes. You can see it, it bears fruit. I, was, uh, I had the privilege of being the student minister of 12 kids at Lakewood Baptist Church in Northport, Alabama. It's my first church I was employed by. They gave me uh, 12 kids, a little bitty dinky church out in the middle of nowhere. Me and Jessica would drive like 25 minutes from our apartment and um, we'd go up there and uh, hang out. Start with 12 kids. Um, like country kids, you know what I'm saying? Like their parents aren't rocket scientists or whatever your parents do, okay? Like country, country, that kind of, like backwoods Alabama, like their county schools aren't like your county schools. Like nobody even knows where their school was. I don't know if they have one, I don't know. But they're hanging out. And uh, they're there, dude, and there's 12 of them. And no one had really done a lot with them. No one had really invested in them at all. And Jessica and I get out there, and we don't know what we're doing. I mean, we're, I'm like 20, maybe. Like I'm like a couple of years older than, than you seniors, Maybe like a year and a half older than you. And I, they give you 12 kids. They're like, here, figure it out. Had an office on the other side of the building. No one even like, knew where I was. No one cared what I said or did. No one cared what I said or did. We just showed up. We didn't have a band. There was no band. What are you going to do, band and 12 kids? Have the whole band would be on stage. You would me standing out there. I mean, it's weird. So uh, instead, we tried a bunch of different things. And, so we had this little Wednesday night gathering where I would speak, and, and it was a little, it was shorter, it was like 30 minutes. And the kids started talking to me, like, hey, we, we'd like to do a little bit more. So we'd, we'd kind of like to do some Bible study stuff beforehand. So what they started doing, they would, they would come early. They'd come an hour early before the little sermon thing, and they would sit down with me, and we'd go through a book of the Bible together. The whole student ministry, and me, and Jessica, would sit there, and we'd go through a book of the Bible, and and we'd just take the thing apart verse by verse. By the time we would get, every time the hour allowed, everybody understood what was going on in those verses that we had covered. Boring as fool. Like, there's no story. There ain't no funny. There's nothing. It's just you sitting there with your Bible saying, what does that mean? Okay, great. What does that mean? And we're just figuring it out. I left to go to Texas, I had to go to seminary, right? A guy called me, called me and Jessica, out oh, to Texas, we're doing seminary out there. And, and they didn't hire another student minister for 18 months. 18 months with my babies, ain't nobody with them. Um, their student ministry grew. They almost doubled. They didn't have a student minister, they didn't have anybody working with them, nobody helped. You know what they did? They went up there in that same room, turned the heat on, <laughs> And they just sat there with the Bible and tried to figure it out every week by themselves. They would text me for a while. Sometimes they'd text me a question like, "Hey, this part's really weird, dude. Like, do you know what this means?" <laughs> by themselves. If me and Mata and Rob and we just left you and just abandoned you and whatever, you're a bunch of dorks, and we we jetted. <laughs> would you do that? Figure it out on your own, man. You're still inviting friends. Hey, me and a bunch of kids, we just get in, we got this room we sit in in the dark, you know, we like turn the lights on and we like study the Bible together. You want to come? We have a hard enough time inviting people to, to all this, this, this craziness. They doubled. That's good soul, man. That's good soul where the seed falls on that soil and it produces fruit and something happens and life change comes on and then something like lights up inside of them and they're chasing after Jesus. And they don't care. I don't care if you give me a suit of ministry or not. I'm following Jesus and these people are coming with me. It's gonna be great. And some of you, dude, some of you are there and, then there's, and I've, I've seen a light come on inside of your hearts and, and in the last, some of you the last, this, this past semester. I've had the privilege of knowing some of you guys for three and a half years and, and some of you have seen that transformation take place in you and there's this deep strength in God well up inside of you. I'm proud of you. That's good soil. And if God ever were to take Jessica and I somewhere else, I would tell your stories about what you've done and what God has done through you. If you're one of those other three souls, I want you to be there, man. I want you to have a moment when you can just set aside whatever junk is in your world. If it's being the funny guy or the funny girl in the room and you're never zoning into this, I want you to have a moment where you can set that aside and just zone in for once and hear what God has to say for you. Dude, if you're the rocky soul and you're so lazy that you wanna invest in yourself, but you've tasted the glory of this, this salvation, dude, grow up, invest in it, man. Grab your Bible and try to figure out what's going on inside of there. Come to Sunday school. Get in a life group. Engage. Learn something. Put down some roots or you're gonna get wiped out. And dude, if you're being choked out by that party scene or by a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever your deal is, I don't know. Whatever you're if you're being choked out spiritually by that stuff, at some point you've got to throw it off and move forward or die. I want you to be good soul. I want you to have a moment where you can throw that stuff aside and move forward. That's why we call Disciple Now reset. This year's Disciple Now, the theme is reset. we talked about this. This is a moment, this is the moment when I want you to have an opportunity to hit the reset button and to go back to the way God intended it to be between you and him. To go back to the way that it was back when you remember it, when it was good. That feels so distant now. I want you to be able to go back to that and get rid of everything that stands in between you and then him. So tonight, that moment starts. I wanted this to just sit around and like shake around your head for a few days until we get to disciple now and you continue working through it. But man, God's a big enough God that right here, right now, tonight, you can shake off whatever's entangling you. You can make a commitment right now just between you and God to, to throw off whatever is entangling you and move forward. Whatever is impeding you, whatever standing between you and God, you can get rid of that right here, right now, tonight. But I wanted to put pressure on you pointing toward disciple now. I know God's going to do great things in you, man. No matter how dark or how messed up your stuff is, um, I haven't given up on you. Your leaders haven't given up on you, and God certainly hasn't given up on you. God's got big plans for Dylan Morphew. God's got big plans for uh, Elizabeth Martin. If they'll let it, same as you. Here's what we're gonna do. Um, I'm gonna pray for you. Our band's gonna come up. They're gonna lead you in just one more song, not two. And I'm gonna go ahead and jet out of here because I gotta go set up on the, in the CMC for your meeting. So our band's gonna, they're gonna lead us in one more song. And when they say amen or something, you guys head over to the CMC and meet me over there, okay? I want to pray for you, and then you stand and let them lead you. Father, um, God, I know that at different points in my life, I've been all four of these soils. I know that, God, at times I, I just am, I've been just oblivious to what's going on around me spiritually and what you're trying to do. I know sometimes, God, that I have, I've made the mistake of not investing in my relationship with you. And that sometimes I've allowed thorns to wrap themselves around me. But God, you bring me through that and you'll bring these students through that as well. Back to the relationship that you intended for them to have. I pray that you'd make it so. Its your sons name I pray. Amen. Stand with us.